everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Jason Anderson of Pro Soccer Wire. How's it going, Jason? Uh, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Yeah, uh, it's summer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. We're all that's what we're all we're all doing yeah. our best here. I mean, it's definitely we're truly we're kind of out of the dog days of summer. We're waiting for fall. We're like kind of trying to read the tea leaves of what's happening in NWSL. There's a lot going on elsewhere in the world of soccer, which I know is also your purview. Just, yeah. Yeah. We're all trying to keep right. things in order. Yeah. Right. Right. When the dog days of summer end, everyone else in the world is like, you know, what would be great would be a full season of soccer. Yes. Um, it's, it's truly year round for you. Cause you cover all of it. You do stuff in the States and stuff abroad. Um, so that actually, maybe that's a good good explanation for what we're going to do here for this A Block today, because I think that this is a good weekend to do something a little bit different, which is we're going to do kind of a long-form conversation on just one team, um, because it was something that we, even just in, in a, a group chat, were sort of throwing around, just figuring out what's going on with this particular team. And it's not a team that we cover a lot on the podcast, and so I want to maybe do a grand reversal here. Um, and, and do a little bit of a deep dive just because I think these are fun and it's my show and I want to do it. So we're actually today going to talk about Louisville for a while. Um, and maybe this is a good place to start, which is a question that, that I asked you just, you know, in a friendly chat over the weekend, which is, you know, Louisville, I think, got a lot of flack for the way they handled their expansion draft. And obviously they had to let their coach go halfway through the season and, it felt like I think some people thought some of the criticism was unfair. Some people thought that the criticism didn't go quite far enough. And then this year they've been, you know, around, they're having another really tough year results wise. It's Mm -hmm. like what they haven't had a win in over 10 games. I think it Um, it goes back to like, like over three months ago. Yeah. And, and yet now it feels like, the response outside of perhaps the fan base. Cause I want to give kudos to that. They had one of their highest attendances this weekend that they've ever mm-hmm. had as a club outside of the local market. It seems like just sort of some complacency or some ambivalence towards Louisville. And so Jason, why do you think that is? Because, you know, we, we were, we're tough on Gotham. We're tough on Washington. We're tough on North Carolina. We struggle. I think sometimes to even come up with, things to say about Louisville. Why do you think that is happening this year? Um, I think to some degree after, you know, multiple seasons of Louisville, not really, they haven't, they haven't had a lot of games that are like, you know, this past game obviously is for nothing. That'll catch people's eye. Right. Um, but a lot of times their losses have just been when they've had a bad result, it's like a two, one loss or uh, maybe three, one, but it's never, I feel like it's never quite the worst result of a given weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a little bit of a factor. There's also, um, they're a team that doesn't have a bona fide superstar, though I think Savannah DeMello is trying extremely hard to make that no longer correct. Um, she just got called into the national team today. So people that maybe don't watch that much NWSL are going to be like, well, who's this? Right. Um, and so they're going to start to learn about her, which is nice, but yeah, there's just been a lot of a lot of small factors that all kind of add up that are all kind of like 
is this a team that you're going to go out of your way to seek out on a given weekend? The, the honest answer is probably not um, if you're a neutral. Um, and that's not to be mean. It's just there are other teams that have some other factor about them, whether it's more notoriety or bigger names. Um, I know locally the, the way that they handle media is different from every other team in the league, um, which I know the last thing people want to listen to on this podcast is, is uh, talking about the insides. Of right. Media. Yeah. But, but it, it does make a difference to coverage they get. Um, and I, I know that, you know, doing a local only post-game press conference um, allows them to, has allowed them to do in person for much longer than everyone else is doing, I, I believe. Um, but it also contributes to your national writers oftentimes are just not in those uh, press conferences. There's just there's a. Uh, uh, an obstacle to access. Um, and if people have a weekend with six games to pick through and say, which team do I need to listen in on to see, you know, what the coach is thinking, what the players are thinking. And one of those teams out of the 11 has a, something in the way, you're probably going to have people just dodge that and go for some other team. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just human nature. So, um, I think it's, it's a lot of little things that all kind of stack up to Louisville just kind of, doesn't get thought of that it's it, you know it's also the small city thing um mm. it's a significantly smaller city than every other team in the league um i'm sure outside of chicago probably a lot of fans haven't been to louisville uh maybe they've been to i'm sorry i'm saying louisville to um the locals i, I apologize i'm i'm uh, i'm from the coast i don't know anything um but you know basically there's chicago is not too far away mm. um in the grand scheme of things and then after that everyone else it's a it's a road trip it's a significant uh road trip and then for people that went to the final last year you didn't go and see the home team you right. saw two teams from somewhere else um so the 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 amount of interaction people can have i feel like is a little lower than it is for you know uh gotham for example it's it's easy to fly to see go see gotham it's easy to fly uh as a out of towner to come see the spirit um or Orlando or Chicago or the California teams um, to go see racing. You've got to get a connection um, or you've got to hop in a car and drive for a good long time. So um, all these, all these things I think stack up and you get a team that is um, just not going to, I think they're kind of in a natural position to get less attention, but they're also, there are some ways where they haven't helped themselves out uh, in, in a major way that I think uh, is kind of playing itself out. I think that makes sense. And maybe that the next question too, I think is tied to that, which is the one that you started with, which is what's the star power. What's the hook. I mean, we've seen other teams struggle with this in the past. I mean, even I think Orlando is dealing with that right now with some pretty high profile movement of their stars. Um, or you've seen, or even, you know, Chicago's got pew, but there's a lot of new faces on their squad. Um, something that the dash are constantly, you know, trying to figure out though. They, I think have some, some high have had, some some pretty good star power in the past and so with with louisville it's like there's good and there's bad and i think mm. that also makes it difficult to parse out it's not so easy just to say you know this is going terribly or this is going well because we've seen a number i've said this before you know they've got some young players that are doing a really nice job they've got mm. emily fox they've got kirsten davis obviously savannah DeMello, jalen howell katie lund has been doing a nice job there are players that in the NWSL, you think, oh, you can pile enough of these kinds of players 
and you're going to start moving in a cohesive style that makes sense. And we'll get to the coaching in a second. Um, but we've also seen some pretty high profile misses, right? Mm. Certainly in year one, but we also have the Ebony Salmon story, which is she was a player that she felt like she was essentially pushed out by the coaching staff. She moves to a new team and immediately sets the NWSL on fire. And so you look at the team itself and you say, there's are, there are good pieces here. These are smart acquisitions. These players um, have high, high ceilings. Usually there's a little bit of patience for a young core like that. But you also see elements of mismanagement kind of throughout these first two years. So for you, Jason, maybe results aside, maybe not results aside, does it just feel like the plus net negative of where Louisville is going? It just makes it difficult to get too high or too low? Uh, I mean, when you say where they're going, it is kind of that's kind of the question I keep coming back to because I feel a lot of times like the acquisitions they've made have not been super long term. It's more like, well, this player's good. Um, or, um, you know, we have an injury here. Um, and so you get a, a situation where, you know, this weekend, I kind of encapsulated it in my mind, you know, the the substitution in the first half, uh, Alex Chidiak coming out without an injury, right. um, it, it on the surface looks pretty bad, um, especially when after the game, Kim Bjorkegren said he just had to do something uh, right. was, was the, the solution there, um, which isn't really much of a solution, but um, that's kind of the, like the end result of a flawed process. I feel like is that um, the team roster construction is kind of confused. I feel like they haven't really addressed uh, central defense much mm-hmm. at all, right. um, which should have been, to, I mean, to me, maybe this is my own personal bias. I feel like as an expansion team, that's like where I'm highlighting and we're right. seeing it with San Diego uh, to make a comparison who was like, let's go get a national team center back and let's draft another one. Yeah. Um, and, and let's go get a goalkeeper. Let's set the spine of our team up really well. Um, you know, Katie Lund has turned out to be really good this year. Um, I don't know that um, Louisville went out and thinking this is going to be our starter, um, that this is going to be a star. I think she's kind of emerged uh, not to, you know, it's it's a mix of her work and the coaching staff and all that. But um, I don't think that was the plan. I think she, that she was a solid goalkeeper that they were like, let's go see what happens. Um, let's go give her a shot. Yeah, I um, think, I mean, I do think that underrated is, and I, I don't really want to defend, Defend the the letting go of Michelle Betos because I'm not sure that that was the right call. I'm not really mm-hmm. defending that, but Lund was getting minutes in in the first year. They were they were rotating the two, so maybe less than defending it, more just an explanation of maybe you saw the beginnings of that. Oh, maybe we're going with Lund. Right. Even you want to go back to her performance in the in the Women's Cup last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are opportunities to try backups and see if they sink or swim. I mean, we saw that with Bella Bixby in Mm -hmm. uh, the challenge cup, right. In 2020. And that, I think you could see the beginning of that thought process, even before this second year. And Lund, I think has done, I mean, it's, it's one of those where she's facing a lot of shots and we know Mm -hmm. that and shots are going in. It's not like the team is, is pitching clean sheets every week, but you see the basics are there and the fundamentals are there. And for a, a goalkeeper in her first full year as a pro, I think it's, it's been impressive. It's you see yeah. the basis of what could this could become for them. But like you said, it's like, how intentional was that? 
Right. When I'm talking about making that goalkeeping shift, I, and I have to admit, I'm not sure if they've had the same goalkeeping coach from last year to this year, but obviously they did not have the same head coach. And so it's that through line that you're just trying to figure out a little bit in terms of talent evaluation. Um, yeah. Flipping back. So last year, one of our big uh, criticisms, I think of Louisville was their defensive midfield. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they, they go out and they draft Jalen Howell. They, they are like, okay, we're going to go get, get who we believe is the best defensive midfielder in this draft. We're going to go draft her number two. Um, and that's going to help. But then it seems like, and this was something that I, you, you saw maybe, for me, I was like, oh, this central defense issue is bigger than we thought. Having a rookie number six in front of a central defense that is struggling has not, I think, really served Howell that well in her development mm-hmm. in her first year, nor has it really shored up what Louisville needs showing up, right? Yeah, um, for sure. And, and I think some of it is um, maybe like a player type. Like Howell wants to go win the ball. So she wants to go step out of that middle space and go be physical. Um, and that's that's her game. But for the longest time, it, they've started to move away from it. But for the longest time, they were pairing her with um, Freya Olofsson, who's more right. of an eight, who also doesn't necessarily want to hold that space. And so they would step out and, and teams would go in saying, like, let's get them to step out. Let's get right. them to try and come come win the ball and then move it into that space while they're gone. Um, and it was kind of a recurring thing. And so, you know, I, I think the defending has not, I mean, to, I guess, I don't know if this is credit necessarily, but, you know, Lauren Malay is having to figure out how to be a defender this year, mm-hmm. um, which she's had to figure out how to be a wide player before. And, and she's basically just getting every year, a new assignment of right. like, this is what you're going to be this year. Um, but yeah, they, they've, they've struggled for organization. I think, um, I think, when they drafted Howell, the next step should have been, we need to find someone to pair with her that tends to hold down the space. Um, you don't need an eight that goes forward all the time as well. Um, and, and I think pair, the right pairing for her would have made a lot of difference and they didn't quite go pull that off. And so now, you know, this past game, it's, you know, I, I think they they said that they were trying to play out of a box mm-hmm. for Chicago specifically. Right. It obviously did not work uh, even one little bit right. um, the, the way that game played out. And some of that is, again, um, the players that are out there playing that box are, you know, Wang Chuang has played as a forward a lot. Yep. Um, Savannah DeBello is an attacking midfielder. Alex Chidiak is an attacking midfielder. Right. And Howell is the lone holding midfielder. And she her whole thing is not really holding is right going to win the ball. That's how I'm going to break up plays by leaving this space to go do something. So um, that's a, that's a personnel issue that I, I don't know that they have a fix for it is the thing. When you look down their full squad list, right. Um, I don't see a, you know, anchor kind of midfielder in there that is proven at the NWSL level. Um, and maybe, you know, at this point in the season, maybe they should be looking for, uh, the players on the squad and saying like, let's give some people a shot because we're kind of, um, you know, I know their, their situation isn't as dire as the spirit or Gotham's, but they are probably not making the playoffs and they are, they, they, you know, it'd be nice for them to break this uh, interminable winless run, but at the same time, they're, they should be in planning for 2023 mode already. And it doesn't feel like they are. And, and again, to the players, I, I don't want to, I'm always trying to be very cognizant of, of not hammering players when it doesn't feel like they're being set up to succeed. And so right. that and what, what you're explaining is when you watch Louisville play, 
um, and you see these gaps. I think a lot of times the automatic question, you're like, what is that player thinking? Why wasn't Mm -hmm. that player turned on in this moment? Where did that space come from? And what you're explaining is how players' natural tendencies and historically where they have played when put into these positions with each other, it means gaps. It means Mm -hmm. space that other teams can exploit. And it's not so easy in the moment to change that when when in the, you know, in the thick of it, when you're playing against someone like Mallory Pugh, you know, Bjorkgren said that he wanted the DM to stay back and to um, follow her, drift her. They basically wanted a player on her all game. And that so goes against the natural tendencies of the midfield that they started. Yeah. That that simply did not happen. And, and that's where that disconnect occurs. And I think it's up to the team itself to figure out where you meet in the middle with, with players and with coaches. But um, you have to understand the players that you have and you have to attend to that. So moving on to the coaching. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there's a lot going on here. And this is, this is kind of like why I wanted to do this is because Louisville has changed so much, even just from the beginning of this season even in terms of the way that they're they're handling their roster personnel, and maybe I'm mostly talking in the attack because you explain sort of what's going on with how they're using that that spine of the team. Um, you start the season with this acquisition of Jessica McDonald, uh, proven goal scorer. She's like she's one of the she's one of the best players, one of the most effective players in league history. Mm. You bring her in. You start the season starting her centrally. And Ebony Salmon does not play, really. Mm. Now, Ebony Salmon goes to Houston. Clearly, that is a player that can succeed, immediately starts succeeding with the dash. Now, Jessica McDonald no longer starts. We now Mm. are starting this two-front of Nadim and Davis and bringing McDonald off the bench. And McDonald is providing a spark pretty much every time she comes off the bench it's noticeable it was mm-hmm. noticeable in this game against chicago are we i i does louisville just need to get out of their own way does the coaching staff are they overthinking this are they overplacing some of these attackers because this is the part of the of the team where i'm like this shouldn't be quite as difficult as it is because you do have a number of quality attackers here what do you think jason um you know i, I think with with Sam and I think the mistake they made was um, preferring a system uh, that was going to be more uh, possession oriented. They wanted to bring the play up the field rather than try and get the space, the vertical space um, by runs in behind. Whereas we see with Sam and, and Houston saying like, we're going to be a transitional team yep. um, and this is going to be great. Um, I think, I think Louisville should have maybe considered that a, as an approach um, yeah. and, and sit a little deeper, which would have helped their defense. I mean, it's and not it, like it's not a style that McDonald wasn't familiar with. Exactly. Either, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and let them go to work. Um, and I, I think that was an initial mistake. Um, right now, uh, I am confused about McDonald not playing I, or not starting at least. Um, I think it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, given that, um, she can kind of, I, I mean, she's kind of capable of playing pretty much any way they're going to put her out there, whether they need her to play this, um, you know, wide midfield, uh, role or whether they're playing her as a forward against the spirit. Um, a little while ago, they played her out wide. Um, and, and it's kind of like wide, it's, it's sort of a box. It's sort of not, this is kind of all it's kind of part of the problem. Right? We saw a three back at, at one point, I think a couple weeks ago. And then yeah. 
they moved back yeah. to a four against Chicago and yeah, it's changing frequently. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of, um, that, that formations it, it situation, um, it feels a little like flailing rather than a cognizant plan. So against the spirit, um, in a, what was that result? Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, one, one, uh, in, in, uh, Louisville, um, they caught the spirit off guard. They played a back five. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they dealt with Trinity Rodman to go back to Pew for a second, mm-hmm. the way they dealt with Rodman was let's add an extra number so that no one's ever super isolated. When the spirit play that long diagonal, right. um, there's always going to be someone coming out of the middle to help the fullback. Um, I would think, and Pew and Rodman are not the same player, but if Chicago is going to keep finding Pew in space with that kind of ball, this is kind of a, you, you've done the thing that might have helped you uh, in the recent past. And they right. just were like, eh, we're going to do something else today. And that's something that Chicago struggled with a lot, actually, mm-hmm. in the last month. When you look at their scoreless streak of however many games outside of the Gotham game, which that's another team that's struggling. Um it was because they, you know, you have teams being really compact centrally, not giving Pew space when she wants to drag the ball off the top of the box. She's got four of, you know, four players on the other team following her with the understanding that they're not going to let her play make, and they're going to force other players to, to find those gaps. And, and once you do that, once you've actually achieved that, then you try to force Chicago's defense, their three back into mistakes and, that's been a real winning combo for a number mm-hmm. of other teams in the recent past. And then, like you said, Louisville does this against Washington. And, you know, that's, I don't think was a bad result, just sort of based on um, the game state. Mm-hmm. They go away from that against Chicago and then just are immediately split open. I mean, I have to admit, I think the assists that Chicago got in that game were quite good. Yeah. I think that um, they're passing. That was a level of passing from Chicago that we haven't actually seen in a while, but they, you have to see it before you can do it. Right. And so clearly mm-hmm. Chicago had the time to see where they wanted to pick those spaces and find someone like Pew or Nagasato um, in space so you kind of wrapping this up. And like I said, I'm not trying to be too negative about it. I, it's more just, I think that Louisville is in this weird space right now in the context of expansion teams. Right. Mm. And, and this goes back to, you know, or Orlando and, and Houston and Louisville and the two California teams we're seeing uh, different expectations for expect or for expansion teams at this point. I think the California teams have really changed the way we see what is possible in a team's first year. Now, obviously California teams have different, different things going on, very different market. They have the benefit of seeing other expansion drafts. Um, they want to build teams that are a little bit than what Louisville wants to build. I think Louisville wants to be like a, a mm-hmm. hardworking, gritty blue collar a red starsy type team, right? It's just not only finding the talent that has the ability to do that, but setting them up to succeed. And I think that's where they're struggling. Mm-hmm. So what would you do? Like you said, I agree. I think at this point, Louisville get the run up that you deserve to really make 2023 your year, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that is, committing even just committing to a formation for a while don't change it too much don't confuse the players set players up in their best positions and then identify the changes that you need to make to take things to the next level 
without overdoing it. Like I said, it's a little bit confusing what they're doing in the attack. So if you play coach, if you're playing general manager and you're Louisville, mm-hmm. what do you think is working? And what are your areas to circle in this off season? You know, things that are, things that are working include um, not just DeMello's play in open play, but when they've been able to generate set pieces, mm-hmm. um, they're so dangerous on those, but not, and it's not just her delivery because we've seen teams that have great delivery thrive all year. And we've also team, seen, you know, Gotham, for example, this year went and got the best player for set pieces in 2021 and it hasn't worked. So it's not just one player kicking a ball. Well, um, and they've done um, Louisville have done really well um, to be dangerous consistently. It's not just the goals. It's just, when they get a set piece, they are routinely able to cause problems with it um, through player movement, through um, good old fashioned wanting it more in those situations. So, well, and and you like I I like some of, I think I like their players on the dribble a lot. Mm-hmm. I like Fox on the dribble. I like Demello on the dribble. Howell when she is able to sort of disrupt play and quick switch it back out. Um, and, and I like Davis too. I don't want to discount what I think she can become. I just, I think her becoming a, a a starter so quickly over someone like McDonald, I'm not sure is exactly how I would approach that, but Mm -hmm. there is that group. You can see the beginning of something if you can find other pieces to help them. So where would you circle for, for, um, improvement? I mean, for me, it's still that, that the nexus between the center backs and defensive midfield. Um, so I would be looking for center backs to compete um, with um, Bonner and Lester and uh, Murray. Um, I, I would want, you know, it, it, at the very least, somebody comes in and pushes them to be better. Um, I, I think some of their problems, like I've said, they they're left without a lot of uh, a shield in front of them a lot of the time. Right. Um, but I also think at some point you have to admit that um, in the meantime, we also need them to be able to play without that shield. Um if we're going to leave them without it, we have to be able to find some players that are comfortable in that scenario. Um, but I also think they do need to find a better midfield partner for um, Howell. Um, so if you have Howell and DeMello, um, if, if they want to play three in the midfield, they need that one player who's going to give them some freedom. Yeah. Um, they don't have that right now. And if they're going to play, you know, this midfield four that obviously worked so badly that they were making a midfield sub that after the game, even with a long explanation, it was still not clear what the, what the change was um, because it seemed more like a panic move than anything else, quite frankly. Um, Well, then maybe that's the the follow-up question, which is Mm. you have to let uh, a coach go for as still as of yet undefined misconduct in year one, you have an interim coach for the last half of the season, um, you have a little bit of, you have some general manager shakeups, right? They had other front office changes in the off season. They bring a new coach in the team's still struggling for results. Despite some of these positives, how much time do you give coach in year two before you start saying, no, we really need to start getting results. Otherwise we don't know where this project is going. Uh, probably not much. Um, to be honest, be- because of the nature of this year where there've been enough, I mean, one, just the length of time between wins um, in, in a league that's so parody driven. Um, you kind of stumble into wins from, right. from time to time normally. It's so it, Right. We've seen some streaks that have been like, usually maybe there's one team that's, that's struggling to get a win in a season and we're seeing it more yeah. this season. Yeah. And 
and like that, you know, there are two, the, the spirit of the other big streak. And I, I think they have several games where it's like a one in a million kind of thing that you're like, how did this happen? Whereas when I look through a lot of um, Louisville's results, I'm like, I remember that game. Like I've got them all pulled up on FB ref. And I'm like, I remember watching that game. Yeah. They, they were kind of lucky to even get the draw that day. Um, and I, I think that recurring pattern of being the second best team in a given game um, and also not having that resourcefulness to somehow get away with one somewhere in there um, at a certain point that speaks to a coach not meshing with the roster yeah. very well. Um, I think the roster does need work. Um, I don't think this is all a coaching problem. I think this is a full organizational issue that yeah. there are talented players, but it doesn't really make sense. And that's why we see lineups that don't make sense or tactical approaches that don't make sense. Um, I think it really is kind of the whole, the whole thing is not, it's not a set of ingredients that would all come together to make a good meal. Um, they're all independently good things, but you need, you need a vision and the vision I feel like from the top isn't there. So it's not all coaching, but ultimately uh, the ownership group and the people at the front office aren't going to change themselves out. So um, they need to find a coach that can operate with this group and they need to make um some changes to the group and add some players that um, would benefit their absolute keep. They, they don't need superstars in those positions, but they knew, do need someone that just pairs well um, with the players they've got um, in, in a few different positions. So I think it should be a long off season of really considering everything mm-hmm. um, there because I mean, not everything, everything, like you said, they just had their best attendance. Um, right. there are they've kept fans really engaged. Well, and, and I'm generally in, in a vacuum. I'm not always too worried about teams investing locally. Right. And, and just right. making sure that they're really connecting with their, their local fan base and their local media. I mean, we've seen some teams struggle in the opposite direction, right? Mm-hmm. Where it seems like they're nationally known, but they're not connecting with their local market. So I think that there are a lot of things that are going, I mean, we also know I've been to their stadium. It's lovely. Their facilities are nice. It's not, it's not endemic of an overall thing. And I, and I right. don't think that, and, and by any means, this is a failure, but I do think that one of the bets there though, is that you do have to start producing on the field. Yeah. I think that all the other stuff bring people in, but, and this is true in women's sports, especially people really respond to what they see on the field as mm-hmm. much as off. And I think that, that, that is that final piece for them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a business side going pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and soccer side, it's now, you know, multiple, multiple times where you have to look at them and be like, you know, what, what was happening here? Um, what was the, what was the plan and what, where did it go astray? Um, and I, it'd be one thing if I saw the plan, I was like, Oh, this player got hurt or this player they thought they were going to sign, didn't sign. Um, but I don't think, you know, to go all the way back to the expansion draft, um, if they had gotten Tobin Heath to sign at some point over the amount of time they had her rights, I don't think it would have fixed very much here. It would have right. made them better for sure. But yeah. um, I don't think that adding her into the mix would have made the plan more. It wasn't like this is the one piece that was missing. Right. Um, it was just a, and cause I, I now I'm thinking of something. I can't even remember who had the interview, but I think there was a quote out there where they were like, no, we think we handled the expansion draft really well. Right. Um, which says to me that, 
the planning on the soccer side from high up all the way through to the product on the field game to game um, is still murky. And this is not a league where you can get away with that. Um, Unless, unless every player you sign happens to be a home run. um, That's really the only way to get away with it. And they haven't done that. So um, we are kind of left with this team that uh, it it just hasn't, it hasn't felt like they've been particularly close um, to breaking through. It feels when you look at their record, you're like, "Uh, yeah, I, I'm not really super surprised Um, despite the talent. um, It just, it's a lack of clarity of vision. I feel like that has sort of led them down to down to this point. Yeah. And I, am always interested in this is a, like in the terms of a a positive version of this, right? Kansas city is a team that, that turned it around because they were pretty aggressive in the transfer market. Mm -hmm. They made some pretty aggressive trades and some sort of aggressive transfers halfway through. Well, in kind of this area, it was this transfer window that just closed, but last year um, when they were really struggling, or I think that's the question now for Gotham is how do you turn this around? I think it's a question at this point with Washington as well, which is, okay, we're, we're making this coaching change, which needed to happen. Now we need to look at what happens next. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is a question for possibly North Carolina, depending on what happens over the next, their next eight games Um, or set. I forget exactly how many they have more than everybody else. But um, uh, I think that I'm fascinated by it. I would say that I'm just as interested this year in the teams that are having some trouble with those pieces than the teams that kind of had it all click, because I think it showcases just how difficult this can be of making sure, you know, who are your leaders, who are your, whether they're vocal leaders or whether they're the players on the pitch who are setting the tone, can a player set the tone if they're not being played in their best position, because maybe Mm -hmm. they're thinking about what they need to do. And they've got that added mental thing as well. How are you managing your bench versus your starters? How are you handling player personalities and, and getting that buy-in to turn things around? And so I don't have easy answers for it, but Louisville always just does seem like they're in this uncanny valley of it's not quite working. Um, there are some clear on-field things that could change but there are other things that are going positively. And so they just have not sort of risen or fallen the same way that some of these other teams are. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So I, you know, again, just an interesting conversation. I, I think that this was a good one to have because I know that sometimes we tend to focus a little bit more on the player, the teams that are executing really well or the teams that are struggling, but it's a surprise. Uh, But I I think that while we still have, I got to say, while we still have a 12 team league, you want to, it's fun sometimes to, to dig in and sort of see what things could be better because it does actually also highlight what some other teams are doing well. Let's switch over to some of the teams that are are, are doing quite well. Um, this weekend, the funny thing is nothing really in the standings changed that much. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, I think, a more positive, per- like, or you saw something like, I do think that was a more positive performance from Gotham, and yet they lose three to one in a game that just 
really statistically was fine, but did not go their way. It's like for them, in addition to some of their troubles, they're not having much luck. Um, We saw Washington give up uh, three points at the end of a game, which is not unusual for them. We saw Houston find a way to get a result, which also has not been unusual. Houston is sticking around, which is really cool to see. Mm -hmm. Uh, San Diego gets a definitive win over Portland, but Portland looked really tired because they had just played North Carolina in North Carolina that midweek and they had to do some heavy rotation. So it wasn't exactly uh, a best of the best from Portland. I don't know, Jason, did you have any major takeaways from, from this weekend? I mean, obviously I think what we have to say is Chicago and LA specifically Mm -hmm. and Kansas city, those three, not all of them are making the playoffs, right? But they're all sticking around. They're not going away quietly, which is cool to see, right? Yeah, um, and, and you know it's interesting uh, the the Angel City game in particular. Um, I I feel like most of it I've seen before um, yeah. from them, but the two crucial differences were that this week they caught that they've been they've had been a team where they've needed one lucky break late in these games, and they got their one lucky break here in that I think Gotham had a goal that, that was ruled back that right. probably shouldn't kind have of been bizarrely, not only bizarrely disallowed, but sort of the, the what they did after, I think really yes. just confused Gotham so heavily that they lost their, the momentum that they had. Built oh yeah. It, it, yeah, it completely. It's like a, you know, it shook them out of whatever focus they were in for sure. Yeah. It was a strange moment that, yeah. um, you know, for Angel City, they've needed that kind of weird NWSL break to go their way rather than go against them. Um, but the other thing is they finally found a way to not just be up one nothing in the 60th minute when they start to get fatigued from yes. trying so hard. Um, they actually had the goals yeah. um, to, to get somewhere. So um, not that they need to be necessarily told to score more goals. I feel like that's pretty basic stuff. But um, the fact that they didn't just go get the goals, but they kept going. It wasn't like, well, we got the one and, you know, we're happy with that. It was, there was a real hunger, I think in that first, um, first half for them to go uh, find more and make it happen. Um, Not just get close, not just be in the neighborhood, but to actually make it happen. Yeah. Um, That I think bodes well, like you said, for them to stick around, um, they need to replicate this. Um, They need to both go actually, um, get the, get themselves a lead that isn't so flimsy and so um so difficult difficult to protect um give themselves some comfort to make these games easier but also um they are probably still going to need the breaks to go their way um i think to to get into um that final playoff spot though they are right there um you know it's it's one point so it's not like they're far off um yeah. but you know Orlando, Orlando has been uh, dece- deceptively tough to beat for yeah, a long they, time they here. Had kind of a heartbreaker this weekend as well. Yeah. You know, they put themselves in a position to get a, a result, and then Megan Rapinoe happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They really did uh, just end up uh, facing Rapinoe on the wrong day, yeah. um, which is, uh, you know, that's kind of OL Reigns trump card. Yeah. That's probably what's going to keep them. I feel like. Um, cause they're also, it's not like they're safe either, but right. I think they are probably going to find a way to pull these results out because talent wise, they've got that difference maker that can win them a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's not just, right, you know, it's, Kino, they've got a right, few of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think when angel city, you know, when they look back at this week in particular, um, 
there's probably a lot that they will want to change because I think they gave up like 20 something shots to Gotham. They're probably not super happy about that. Right. Um, but you know, the way that their seasons played out, this is at least something where they're like, okay. Um, yes. Once again, we gave ourselves a little bit of a dramatic second half that mm-hmm. maybe didn't need to be so stressful. Um, but we did kind of keep Gotham as a lot of long range shots, a lot of crosses, Mm-hmm. Um, I think that bodes well for them. I, you know, I'd have to look over their whole schedule, but, uh, um, I do think that there's, uh, they've got, they've got a legit chance if they can replicate this. And I think um, it's also about, you know, I think a question for, for specifically Chicago and angel city as well as who do they have available down the stretch? You mm-hmm. know, I think angel, I mean, it's, it's really incredible that I think if you had said, if I had told you that angel city would lose Vanessa Gill for a significant amount of time right. and still be in the playoff race, in addition to losing press and Sydney LaRue's been out and just all of these injuries, you'd be like, no way. So right. it's, it's really impressive what they've been doing similar with Chicago, Chicago. It's always like one person off the AR and two people <laughs> yeah. on. It's never, it's never like, Oh, there's actually fewer people. It's just different people. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the red stars seem to be, living through um you know the spirit earlier this year had the always had the like seven to eight players yeah but they finally hit a point where all of a sudden it like there was one week where it dropped to like three Mm -hmm. um everyone came back at the same time whereas like you said you know they get morgan gatra promoted up to questionable and it's like oh that's really cool but then it's like oh wait a minute we got lubers on there yeah we're we're gonna expand we're gonna expand this list out back to where it was um yeah, uh, I will say you, you mentioned Kansas City, um, and I do I do want to acknowledge that I, I think of the group you mentioned specifically, yeah. Kansas City is the one I'm most sure will get into the playoffs. Agreed. Um, and it's it's to go back to the Louisville conversation. It's there's a clarity of vision, mm-hmm. um, game in game out that has allowed them to you know speaking of a team that's missing some some ingredients here, they went and got Sam Lewis and, and Lynn Williams for a reason. Um, they've had to make do without them all year long. And maybe there is, I don't want to say a silver lining to it, but at least that that's been a known quantity. They haven't had to figure out life without them. It's just been that way the whole time. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the clarity of vision, the, the, there's just a positive vibe coming out of them too, that, um, they, everyone seems to be having a great time, um, playing for Kansas city. Um, they seem to all like the playing style. They seem to all fit the playing style. Yeah. Um, that I think it has contributed to, you know, not just them staying in the mix, but they're 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 to me, they strike me um, as maybe even like a slightly stronger version of Houston. Yeah. Um, where Possibly, yeah. I, I think they're not just going to stay in the mix. I think they they're going to at least try to chase San Diego down. Um, I think San, San Diego's schedule, I believe, is a little home heavy. If I'm no, I'm I'm reading now that it's not home heavy. It's actually perfectly balanced. Um, but in any case, San Diego's got that um, potential Snapdragon bump with uh, all the yes. people that are going to be coming to those games. That's going to be a big game, and Angel City probably has that one circled as well as yes. Danger uh, Will Robinson kind of a game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that's a that's going to be an enormous challenge for uh, Angel City's come through a lot this year on the mentality side. I think they've proven to be a very mentally tough team. Yeah. But I, I think as a one-off game, that's going to be the toughest one because I'm sure people in San Diego don't just – it's, yes, we're crowding the stadium. We want to win the game against whoever. Um, but they especially would like to beat Angel City um, yes. more than anyone else. So 
that's going to be a pretty spectacular occasion, I think. And, and if Angel City can come through that game with a positive result, because San Diego, as good as their season has been, their home record has been kind of iffy. It's, right. you know, four wins out of nine. They've only lost twice, but they don't win that often at home. They're actually better on the road right now. Um, I think that Angel City could possibly, I think they'd also kind of plays to Angel City's mentality. Um, I think they kind of would enjoy to be spoiler um, in a way that I don't think anyone really expected. I think people expected them to be the kind of team that other teams want to spoil mm-hmm. um, rather than the kind of team that is like, oh, I can't wait to get in there and disappoint a good 20 something thousand people right. um, as the road team. But that's kind of, that's kind of how they are. They're, um, they're a real pain to play against They're uh, It's unpleasant to play against angel city, especially that first hour. And yeah. um, I think that's, that's, it could be a huge game too. Like if we're being honest because of how log jammed uh, this whole thing is from angel city on up um, right. it's a, it's going to be big. It's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to see them in the mix rather right. than, you know, you know, good job guys. You're going to finish eighth. It's not that um, right. they are seriously in there and it's, um, I think it, it's helped. I think it's helping the league for these expansion teams to be this heavily involved in the playoff race this yeah. late in the season. For sure. And I do think we are at that point, right? Where we can say, okay, Gotham 16 games played. They're on a six or seven game losing streak. Probably not happening. Washington, right. not happening. Yeah. Uh, Louisville, probably not happening. So mm-hmm. we're starting to whittle this down, right? So this is my final one. So North Carolina wins two in a row. They win two in a row, and you think to yourself, maybe. But then, again, on short rest, want to be you know mindful of that. But they have another very North Carolina e game against Kansas yes. City, and they drop all three. Mm-hmm. That felt like maybe a reality check to me, a little bit of just yes, they're dangerous. Yes, you can see where it's going, but they have to basically win out. And I don't think that they're, they didn't just flip a switch and suddenly everything's great. And they're able to do that. Does that kind of see where you're, I don't think they're going to finish. They might finish eighth. They might Mm -hmm. finish, you know, in that mid table or, you know, low mid table. They've obviously already gone from 12th to, um, to ninth, but playoffs still seem, that seemed to me like a little bit of reality check. Does that seem about right? The, the fact that they kind of went back to earth is a, is a good point because it means that um, the wild inconsistency is still kind of in there uh, somewhere. Um, and, and now, you know, yes, they still have fewer games than everyone, but they've kind of come back a little bit. It's not three and four games less than the rest of the pack. It's only uh, one or two at right, this I think point. It's two off of not, not everybody even. I think right. One off of some and then two off of. Others. Yeah. yeah. So you know, they've got seven games left to make up a 10 point gap. That's an awfully difficult task, especially when we're not talking about uh, it. This isn't like a relegation zones talk where everyone's bad. So if one team gets hot, they'll probably get out because right. no one else picks up wins. This is to catch the playoff teams. Right. Um, these are the teams that are getting results on a regular basis. So um it's not a, it's not a still target that they're trying to catch. It's a target that's going to keep moving forward. So right. Um, like you said, they probably do have to win out or very, very close to it. I, I don't know that if I don't, I, if they have a game against Angel City or Chicago or the rain, uh, they can't lose that game. They ha- or can't, can't even draw that game. They ha- that has to be a win mm-hmm. um, uh, for sure. And then from there, you know, 
if they happen to drop a point uh, or, or two to San Diego, I think they can shrug that off if they've got a game. I don't, I don't have their schedule against uh, up on here, but um, yeah, they are pretty much in it. Ha- every week has to be good for them here on out to, to get in. I, I think they could pass Orlando. Um, and I think if, one of the playoff chasers suddenly craters and goes badly. I think North Carolina might even have a chance to get the seventh, but I don't think they're going to get the sixth. I think they've just left themselves with a, a little too much work for a team that week to week is like, let's roll the dice and see who shows up. Is yeah. it the team that can, uh, can outscore anybody, but also can defend a little bit, or is it the team that can't really defend this game? Right. You know, today they just don't have it. And now it's a four, three, uh, it's always fun um, with North Carolina. Uh, I really think uh, they guarantee you an entertaining time if you're a neutral. But I was going to say, it's so funny, right? If you were going to recommend games to people, it would be like, well, you should check out North Carolina. And if you like goals. Go like, oh, are they in the, are they running for playoffs? You're like, not really, but. No, um, <laughs> it's it'll be wacky. What, what you see will be wacky and fun and you'll see something impressive. But yeah, they they could really just use a little more stability in the yeah. back. And I think that's, what's going to be what costs them is just an inability to keep teams off the board uh, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, we haven't reached any magic numbers yet. No one has been mathematically eliminated, but we are starting yeah. to see some trends. Um, yeah. We might actually, after the international break, I'm maybe expecting the next match weekend, we might have our first eliminations perhaps. Um, I believe so- the spirit are one loss away or yeah. one, um, if sixth place climbs three more points, I think they're done at that point. So yeah. it, it's so very close. We're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. Um, and, you know, we've always kept open the the possibility of big shifts, but we haven't actually totally seen them. We've really just kind of seen some steady trajectories so far this season. Um, though we don't, it's the NWSL, anything's possible. But like we were saying at the top of the show, we've seen some teams have some issues that we don't always see teams consistently have and we've seen some surprises like san diego who knew that they were going to keep getting results the way that they have i think that's great um Mm -hmm. so we'll be back we have the international break coming up there is one nwsl game next weekend that is the made up um north carolina and gotham game that i believe was covid postponed early in the season um we will not be doing the analysis show during labor day weekend but we do still have a show ready for y'all so Stay tuned. We'll figure out how we're covering everything, but we might just do a whole big U.S. Women's National Team wrap-up in a couple weeks, but we'll uh, we'll figure it out. So everybody, have a happy holiday, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>